0: Hello, this is Comadresy Comics, and this is episode Las Pláticas. Um, Kristen, would you do us the honors?
1: Hi, everybody. Uh, we have a special surprise for you. Welcome to Comerci Comics Las Pláticas, where we meet with creators and friends to talk about upcoming projects, events, and all-around awesome news in the Latinx comic community. Today, we actually have an in-studio guest. We have with us... Henry Barajas, creator of, in his own words, La Voz de Mayo, Tata Rambo. I'm so excited for this book.
2: Oh, yes. And it's a
1: comic book like. that Henry created to tell the life story of his great-grandfather, Ramon Harie. We also have a call-in guest. This is like a twofer today. Right? <laughs> we're so lucky. We're so lucky. I haven't had a twofer since my twenties.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, uh, we have on the phone with us the artist of this amazing book, and that is Jay Gonzo Gonzalez. Hi. Hi, guys. Hola. Hi, Henry. Hey, Welcome hey, to Comrades y And we're going old school today. We are back in our, um, I don't want to say old studio, in our, in our beloved OG. OG studio, yes, uh, for Las Platicas today. So, uh, yes, Henry, welcome. And Thank you. Welcome to, I, I don't want to forget, don't let me forget that we have someone on the phone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, um I really appreciate being here. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I actually was talking to somebody at Cena Grace's, um, Ooh, yeah. a shop called Quest. Uh-huh. Uh, um Autumn Garza, she was uh we were talking about our favorite podcast and we both mentioned yours. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. so awesome. Thank no, you. yeah, no, thank you for doing this. It's uh it's funny to have this like emerging almost overnight Ladnex kind of community. Yes. You know, it's mm-hmm. like uh was it Kat that started that group on Facebook? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. She uh-huh. just it just kind of lit a like, it just started pumping blood into this, like, sleeping giant, it, so. It
1: really did, actually. Uh, and a funny little, um, uh, full circle, full circle story. Um, Sina used to work at Heidi Hill Comics. Oh, no way! Yeah.
3: Wow. Uh-huh. He used to work at Top Cow, where I work at, oh, so. really? okay. Wow. He's worked to everybody, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's making his way around town. And, and, and now he's, uh, I'm so excited that he's, uh, he was able to bring Iceman back, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry that I missed that event. So, w- I- welcome to also uh, our, our phone-in
0: guest.
4: Yes! Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's I'm waiting for my... Like, you guys can watch for physical cues. When right, I know. Like, I'm, I'm just waiting for awkward silence. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> just direct, just like say Gonzo and then direct it for me and I'll answer it. There's a Batman pinata in, that
3: we'll pretend is you.
1: That's right. <laughs> so... Generally in our regular Comadesi Comics episodes we have a beer segment where we review a beer and today we we will um we're not going to be doing all of our segments but we definitely thought that the beer segment was one that we um should share with our uh in-house guest and uh we wanted to highlight a past um creator that we reviewed a book. Uh Jandro Gamboa, who is the creator of Monty Gomez, uh is a luchador. Uh we I think reviewed number one and two of his book. Mm-hmm. We did. And he was um at the Long Beach Comic Expo this what, two weekends ago already. Right. And he brought us a um a beer that is native to his part of California. He's from kind of the central coast. Um, I think he actually is from Santa Maria. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So this is actually a beer from Santa Maria Brewing Company. Ooh. Uh, it is called Resolution and it's an India Pale Ale. It's an IPA and it's a 7.2 and, um, it uh the description says take an American amber ale and hop it like an IPA. Give caramel and toffee notes up front, but the hot presence and bright bitterness of your favorite ale. Mm-hmm. Then dry hop with a whole leaf amarillo hops, and you have your new favorite American red IPA. Now I don't know if Jen is aware, but uh Sarah and I actually already got to taste this. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was on a panel at the time that he came over to um to share a drink with us, and he felt so bad that she she wasn't there to uh to enjoy it that he left us a bottle. so That was so nice of him. So this is very, very sweet of yes, him and so and I thank him for we it. are going to share it again and I'm opening it here and if we can just pour it over yeah, there. Uh, there. Okay. Right.
0: Uh, oh I can smell it. So it's very exciting because um he actually can get uh, growler refills. I, I think he uh, invested and so he was able to get... Oh, that's right. And so um, this one's broken, so I'm going to keep that. Oh, no, this one's broken. Here you go. Yes. Gracias. Um,
1: Gonzo
3: has uh, created his own... Well, when I met him, he had created a comic about a luchador. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh,
4: okay. Cool. Yeah, I've been doing it for uh, six, seven years uh, now. I'm trying to... I've, it's hard when you do it by yourself, so I've been working on it for a while.
1: The beer smells like... It's, I, it's very citrusy. Oh.
3: I'm the cute one. It's very Look true, at it. me.
1: This says it pairs best with tailgates, hot dogs, and a rack of ribs.
3: Ooh! <laughs> well, I just had a bratwurst from the Phantom. <gasps>
1: yeah, oh, Phantom Carriage. Yes.
3: Yeah, I was at, I was going. Oh
1: no! no! Oh, oh my God! No!
0: Por el amor de Dios! <laughs> oh no! Um, oh my God! My brother promised this wouldn't break, oh, no. and it broke, and it broke right over the table. I'm oh, sorry. No. I will not get to drink this, unfortunately. You can have mine. No, no, no. Let
3: me let me get a towel.
0: Okay, we're going to put pause, guys. Hold on. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Sorry for the interruption for... Uh, the spilling of the beer, um, which was horrible. It's a party now. It's it's a party now. Yeah. Okay. Now it all smells like beer. <laughs> um, so I guess we should just, oh, uh, you were telling us about the brewery. It's in Santa Maria. Oh, Mania. Santa
1: Maria, and we were talking about Hondro, And yes, you were saying actually how Hondro is a, um, he bought into the brewery so that now whenever he goes, he pays like very minimal to get his growlers filled. Oh yes, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, he says it's a, it's a really great, little, little like um, perk. Uh, yeah, uh, but the brewery is a really great like local family-run place, and it is. Uh, there's actually a, one in Santa Maria, one in Nipomo. I've never heard of that. Me place. neither. It sounded um, a little uh, Japanese. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Paso Robles and San San Luis Obispo. So they're all Central Coast um, locations. So. Um, why don't we just uh drink take a yeah, it? Drink, sip, uh, and cheers yeah. to cheers, everyone. Cheers to cheers. everyone. To so okay.
0: we're in house guest and on the phone guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Together. Boom.
1: Yeah. Ooh. That's good. It's really good. I like it. Has it.
3: a nice little like, you know, hoppy taste. It has that it's not too hoppy?
1: The smell of it was very citrusy. The taste of it is it is. I can. I can taste the toffee and Me caramel.
0: Me Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. I can taste the caramel.
0: Mm-hmm. It was definitely a, a nice surprise. Yeah. Um, uh, I when I read it initially, I thought maybe that was something I would not be into, but yeah. I
1: I really like it. So unfortunately. Um, Gonzo is just on the phone right now listening to <laughs> to us taste and describe. I thought, you're, but <laughs> oh,
3: I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, he's sober, so he can't drink. But, yeah. but that's a, probably a good thing.
1: Well, even if he wasn't, he yeah. still wouldn't be drinking because he's true. not here. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but uh Gonzo, because you aren't here, you can't see um, the way in which we rate our beers. And um, Henry picked it out as soon as he sat down. He's like, "Oh my!" <laughs> 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 there is a. There, actually, we record in a studio where there are other podcasts that record, and they do beer um, reviews as well. And they, this is their thing. It's not even oh. our thing. Um, it's a big. Uh, penis on on the wall, and there are let's see one, two three four five six. Um, levels and so the if the beer is really sucky it's a flaccid sucky uh, <laughs> uh and then uh a, a meh is an initial and then we go up to partial and then uh if it's a pretty decent beer full but if we really really like it it's rigid and if it's out of this world it's super sand.
3: and there's flames on the tip and there's, tip there's flames coming the... out of the tip
4: <laughs> black nice.
3: Uh, I mean, it's black, if anyone's wondering.
4: I'm that the word doesn't
0: use anywhere in that. <laughs> I'm going to go right into the review. Uh, ah. this is Sarah, and I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a full. Okay. Uh, I really like, uh, how mellow it is. Um, I like the toffee, mm-hmm. um, and the caramel. Uh, it was a nice surprise, and it's not too sweet, which I really like. Um, and there's hardly any horrible aftertaste. There's a, a bit of it, a bit of the kind of hoppy aftertaste, but mm-hmm. not too much. So,
1: so ironically, I'm also giving it a full, but because for me, it is too sweet.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yes.
1: What? It is too sweet for me. Um, I do like the initial taste. Um, there is that a hoppy IPA that I do like, um, but it's too sweet for me.
5: Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to give it a full, but that's because it's not sweet enough. <laughs> oh, oh, look at that. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's an IPA. <laughs> I know it's an IPA, but I like sweetness. Um, um, I do like the toffee taste, and I like the fact that I can taste it a little bit on the roof of my tongue. Mm,
1: oh, on the, the my roof of tongue. tongue. It, no, it is not. a
5: roofer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at, <laughs> the roof of my mouth. It's a, it, it lingers there a little bit, but it doesn't have that overwhelming hoppy taste mm. that I am not fond of. Yeah, she's um. a
1: convert. She's a beer convert. Oh. Yes. yes I am. <laughs> so Henry, what do you think? I, I'm going
3: to have to disqualify myself um, only because I had a lager earlier, oh. so my palate is mm-hmm. is not pure. Yeah. Um, but if I had, I would probably go with a partial. It's yeah. just. Uh, it's not blowing me away, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to blow this away. I want it to blow me away. <laughs> 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 so you wanted to
5: blow. It yes, away. exactly.
3: <laughs> it did spill all over me earlier, or yeah, I spilled it on it. myself. It's anyway, It's good. It's good. I'm, I have nothing. I cannot. I cannot, within good conscience, give it a, a review. But it's good. Oh, okay. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, okay. Well thank you for sponsoring this uh um segment uh Handro Gamboa. Thank you so much for the beer. It's uh, I I really enjoyed it. That's thank really you. cool of him yeah. I like that. Yeah. And
1: we will continue to enjoy it throughout our episode um of Las Pláticas. So let's go ahead and get started. Um Henry and both uh, you and Gonzo. Um We'd really love for you to introduce yourselves by describing your own entry into comics and how being Latinx has shaped those experiences.
3: Um okay, well I'll go first since you pointed at me and we can't point at Jason. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um I I started going to I I mean I I've been reading comics my entire life, but I started professionally when I worked for the Tucson Comic Con. I was uh, like a co-organizer. And I created my own comic, uh, El Loco. It was about a Mexican-American superhero that, like, was a, a migrant farm worker who was caught um, in a storm while the pesticides plane was flying over. Ooh. So he gets struck by lightning and he gets superpowers, but he doesn't know how they work. But because he's a lifelong comic fan, he, he wants to do good. So the idea was that he would fight um, racial profiling and the chupacabra. And, <laughs> and, the <chupacabra. laughs> yeah. and the Chupacabra was this, like, big, like, uh, drug lord. It was really a strange idea, but it was, it was it in response. Cool. Yeah. Before he could bust the Chupacabra, ICE arrest him because they think he's a, uh-huh. an, an illegal immigrant, yeah. as they would say. So right. mm-hmm. it was a response to Jan Brewer's SB 1070, oh, uh-huh. uh, controversy. Mm-hmm. So it made the news. It was a good time. And then I became a comics journalist and. I got a lot of contacts and Heidi McDonald's the one who broke me in that way. Oh, okay. And then I worked for some publishers and I've, now I'm with Top Cow Productions who is a, uh, imprint of Image Comics, uh, that was founded by Mark Silvestri. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do from nine to five. But in the, since then I've been trying to make as many comics lately. Uh, the, my most recent thing was the, I was a contributor to the Where We Live anthology that right, was, yeah. that raised money for the Route 91, um, survivors, and uh, victims, families. So uh, it was uh, an honor to be a part of that, which I learned today raised over $100,000 oh, for wow. the Route 91 charity. Sure. yes yeah, so That's great. Um, and I started to write this comic, uh, and um, I, if it weren't for Matt Hawkins, my boss at Top Cow, actually introducing the idea of having Gonzo work on it, we wouldn't be talking now. So
1: uh, This comic being?
3: La the de Mayo. Yeah,
1: okay. So... I mean, just listening to the topics of uh the comics that you worked on in the past and the one you're working on now, obviously, being Latinx has shaped your experiences yeah, through that.
3: Definitely. definitely. Um, you know, I've, I'm a big... I'm from Tucson, Arizona, so I've always tried to incorporate where I'm from and what I know in comics, because growing up, I never saw that. You know, right. I never saw a Mexican superhero, whenever I go to Comic-Con, people are always asking me, what are you going to dress up as? And I always reply with, I'm, there are no fat Mexican superheroes for me to dress <laughs> up as, so I'm going as myself. And uh so I wanted to, I've always wanted to introduce that type of flavor into comics that's desperately needed. Yes. And like we were saying before the podcast recorded, you know, it's it's like an overnight kind of culture, like a big, you know, um, just uh, brotherhood and sisterhood and, you know, whatever, however you want to identify as, everyone's just kind of coming together trying to help each other out, and I feel like uh with the success of Border Town, with mm-hmm. Eric Esquivel and yeah. Ramon Villalobos' uh, Vertigo book, I feel like there's been a small awakening to the idea now. I mean, you know, there's always been Latin creators like Jaime Hernandez, Hernandez Brothers, and Sergio um, Aragonis, but I feel like right now there's just this like um this hipness to it that's kind of feels fresh for some yeah. reason
1: or hip <laughs> <laughs> so
0: w- would you say that this a sleeping giant has awoken? Yeah. <laughs> I, just finished I would say Marvel's oh <laughs> today, <laughs> yeah,
3: today. <laughs>
1: um, yeah sure
3: it has actually yeah, yeah i think so and i'm happy to shake that giant and tell it to get up and work
1: <laughs> so gonzo same to you um tell us a little bit about how you came into the comics industry and also how being uh, latinx has shaped those experiences
4: uh, well i've been an artist my entire life and, and uh, i went to like the high school of the arts in orange county and uh had always kind of wanted to be a comic book artist um but also didn't want to be a starving artist so uh <laughs> i got a i got a degree in graphic design and i ended up working in um, advertising for like 20 years and uh well maybe less time than that and i, I ended up getting a job at a, a comic and toy company with uh, Todd McFarlane as a oh, okay um, wow uh as an art director for i was over there for about 4 years um working you know like and and at that point i i kind of you know, still had a love for comics and was still like illustrating stuff and trying to get into it. And while I was there, uh, I was like working on some projects. And then um, through some cutbacks, I got like let go. And so I, I got out in the world and was trying to uh, was trying to get a job just at Marvel or DC or some any publisher, right? Like I was you know shopping my portfolio around trying to trying to get work. And I had had a portfolio full of you know sample pages I had done. And I would also done this little like lucha libre story that I had done, um, kind yeah. of as a response to all the other lucha libre I saw in the world, uh, because they never get it right. Like they <laughs> they don't understand the tenets of of the uh, of the culture, and and more broadly, uh, I saw Latino culture and specifically Mexican culture portrayed in a very specific way in American culture,
2: mm-hmm. Um,
4: mm-hmm. like. Every time you see Mexico, it's like sepia tone. It's like brown and shitty looking. Yeah, and and I'm like, have they been to Mexico? Like, have you have you seen what a Mexican neighborhood looks like? Like, no house is brown. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so I, I I had done this this like lucha libre comic, little like eight pages of it, and it was uh, it's everything I knew like Latina culture to be and like lucha libre culture to be. It was like bright, vibrant. It had a very kind of like specific point of like uh, artistic point of view to it. And uh, invariably, amongst all the other sample pages that I had, I would show editors. They'd all stop on that and be like, "Dude, this is cool. You need to do something with this." And so uh, I had a publisher who got kind of very interested in, in seeing what like a full issue looked like. And so I produced the full issue. And then um, he tried to sell it off to some editors, but uh, but didn't um, but couldn't find an editor who had like free time. So uh, but he encouraged me to print it on my own. And I I, I talked to a bunch of other editors. And kind of one by one, like every editor I talked to was like, this is fucking cool. It needs to be out in the world. Uh, we're not going to take it on though. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, uh, which I understand. It's like a niche market, you yeah. know, to a degree. So I, uh, so I just like leaned into how like Latino it could be. Like I, uh, the name of the comic is like La mano del destino and I Ooh. easily could have called it the hand of destiny yeah. or I could have called it like El Revengo or something anglified, <laughs> but I kind of made a, a decision to like, really lean into, like, how Latino it was. I'm like, if you can't get past the name, like, if you can't translate two Mexican words, like, fuck you. Like, my comic isn't for you. Yeah. This yeah. is You know, this is a comic for, like, Latinos. So I just kind of flew my cultural flag and saw who saluted. And uh, and sure enough, man, it's been pretty popular. I've got some kind of, some good press out of, you know, some indie indie love uh, for having done it myself. Uh, and I started, like, attending little conventions that were, like, Latino-focused. Like, I go to Latino Comics Expo every year. I do SoulCon, oh, nice. which is a black... Uh, Sol Con, which is happening next weekend, actually, uh, which is a black and Latino expo that happens in, um, Columbus, Ohio. Oh, like, wow. To,
1: that's awesome. Like,
4: the, yeah. It's like tangential to CXC, which is, uh, Jeff Smith's convention that happens out there. So I actually, once I got into, like a world, like once I got into like Lucha Libre, like instantly, it's like that's such a small world. Like, like I know dudes from El Rey network now. I know wrestlers. I know like, uh, um, all the Lucha underground, like, it's funny, Like the, the Lucha underground people like know who I am. Like every tweet, like they've tweeted out like my comic before. So it's just such a small world. And then like, like also like Latino comics, like, uh, has been a small world. Like we were talking about cat earlier. I had met her at, uh, when she was doing volunteer work for the CBLDF When like my first issue came out, oh, cool. and I, I did a signing at the CBLDF, And then like later on, I would re-meet her at, um, CXC. And she was like, she got awarded their prize last year for her contributions to like the comics community. Um, so I mean, just the subject matter that I do is, is, really kind of thrust me into like hanging out with dudes with like the Fernandez brothers and like uh, Rafael Navarro and R- Ricardo Badia and all these guys who have been doing like, like there's a bunch of us doing it. Um, and, and I think, I don't think that there's any more or, or less or even the profile has changed too much. I just think that like, um, it's just easier to connect these days, you know, more than anything. Cause we, we're all, we've all been kind of doing, doing our own thing out in the world. It's like we're all just kind of starting to band together more than. And more or less or better quality is actually happening. I do think, like, Escavel's book is, is, you know, Border Town is definitely helping shine a pretty good light on it. But um, but I think it's been there for a while. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I guess that's my story. This is Kristen
1: for sure. I think I'd have to agree with you that um, once we started kind of digging into uh, Latinx creators and people started coming to us, we started to realize, yeah, it, it, it's not – uh, the, the focus is starting to be put onto it in the spotlight for sure, but it's not a new thing. Uh, all these creators have things that they've been working on for decades. I mean, mm-hmm. look at Javier Hernandez. Yeah, Hernandez. I, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I always get this. The Jaime Hernandez yeah. and Javier. Look at Javier. Who 20 is, years. Yeah, who is celebrating his 20 years of El Muerto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Yeah, so... Uh, well, he definitely. had
3: success with that movie. Did you yeah. ever see the movie? It was I, on Netflix. No, um,
1: oh. we played. We had an event at Heidi Ho for his uh, kickoff of 20th anniversary, oh, cool. and we were playing it in the background. <laughs> 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 but we didn't actually nice. get to sit and watch that's it. That's Cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've been here. We out here. <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly, um, how do we get our hands on both of your guys' projects that you just talked about?
3: Well, that's what we're we're doing a Kickstarter to do a uh, first issue release of. Lovos de Mayo. Um uh Jason's book I think you can get through him. hmm Right. Oh yeah, you can go, I to, mean, uh, Gonzo, sorry.
4: Yeah, it's fine. Uh you can go to um Castle and key dot com. Uh I am currently like literally as we speak I'm reprinting issue three. It's I've been out of it for a while, which has been hard to like sell full because I I just you know it's hard to sell like one, two, four, and five, you know. Um yeah. so <laughs> if you give me yeah. like but I'm also I I I'm literally picking the boxes up and then heading to Ohio. So if you give me, like, two or three weeks and then head to castleandkeypublications.com, you can order. I have a store out there. I've got prints and shirts and other stuff like that. But I- I've been, like, neglecting my store for a while because I've been working on this comic with Henry. Mm-hmm. So uh, I-, I need to, like, stock up. But, yeah, give me a couple weeks and, and-, and you'll be able to buy comics at castleandkeypublications.com. Absolutely.
1: Well, yes. So uh, we kind of got um... – uh, it was like squirrel. Sorry, <laughs> talking about all your other right. cool projects. But the reason you both are here today on the show is to talk about your project that, yes, you do have a Kickstarter for uh, right now. In his own words, La Voz de Mayo, Tatarambo. Rambo. Yes. So um, why don't you tell us, uh, Henry, a little bit about what this project is?
3: So the project is a um, retelling of my great-grandfather's life. While highlighting an important moment where he helped the, uh, Yaki tribe become recognized under the federal gov- under the Carter administration by the federal government so they can get, um, just basic needs and services that other tribes are getting, like, um, uh, money for education and healthcare and reparations. Um, because this was, when this ha- all happened in the late 1960s, it was a post World War II era. Where Tucson was expanding so quickly that they were getting to the point where they were finally meeting people that was already there that mm-hmm, they had mm-hmm. no control over. So they tried to tax their property, tried right. to um, kind of uproot this whole indigenous land of people that had been there for years. And my great grandfather married my great grandmother and that's where he ended up was on this reservation and he was a very politically minded, uh, very uh he was very good at writing and reading. So he read the paper every day, was very informed citizen and wanted to help inspire that culture in his community right. so that they can keep their land, keep their integrity as a tribe of people. And so he went to San Francisco and worked with Senator Mo Udall and uh, Senator Deconcini to uh, write legislation to. Um, learn how to be a community activist and help um figure out uh like a grid for the community help mm-hmm. get people their land and install uh plumbing there was no plumbing there was no electricity wow. there was no telephone lines so they also built a community center where they can um hold their annual um easter ceremony called the Fati so that where where they do it now is ha- where they had been doing it but they can' they modernize it they put like you know, like, a, it's basically a big food bank and a, okay. like, rec center for these people mm-hmm. to celebrate and, you know, come together and organize. Mm-hmm. So this is that story. Um, what I, I wanted to do this because none of this was documented properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the newspaper did stories about what was happening, but it gets lost over time. And it was an oral story, so a lot of people told me that he did so many good things, but they didn't ever really tell me what he did exactly. And I've been a journalist for the last three years, and I wanted to kind of self-discover, see where I came from, you know, kind of figure out what was happening in my world, because I spent a lot of time writing about other people, so I wanted to go back to him and and see what he did. And, And a lot of it shocked me, and a lot of it was very... Uh, very unbelievable and amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was just very frustrating that he ended up rotting away. You know, he had, uh, emphysema, oh, wow. you know, he oh, kind of wow. died alone. And, and it was very sad to me for someone who was so, um, Integral. yeah. And someone who just really believed in family tradition to just kind of waste away, you know, so mm-hmm. I wanted to honor him in the, in the best way that I could think of was in comics. Cause I think comics is the best. Uh, just storytelling method, so, um, I wanted to do this story, I had worked with some other people in the past, and my boss uh, wanted to take a look at what I was doing, and he really respected it, and wanted to help, so he, he told me, you know, you should just work with Gonzo, and I was, I'd already known Gonzo for a while, cause I'm from Arizona, he lives in Phoenix, and it's kinda hard not to meet Gonzo, because everyone has such a high opinion of him, and really enjoys his work, so... It was an honor to team up with him and he's someone that I'm really glad that I get to work with and and kind of um collaborate with um so it's 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 been a real honor to start this and to meet a lot of people like yourselves who are very into Latinx and Latino um history and comics.
1: Well when I read about your story and when you even just showed us the first couple of pages, I was blown away <laughs> yeah. by both the concept of what story you're trying to tell, but then just the visuals that you showed. And obviously you have a personal connection. It's your great grandfather and a lot of these stories were passed on to you. But Gonzo, I'm wondering as the artist, how did you capture the authenticity of the history of the story that uh, Henry shared with you and of the location that all of this stuff took place in?
4: Uh a lot of research, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but, but, uh, Henry's done a good portion of that. Like he had these, you know, he had photos of everybody. He had, uh, you know, like photos of locations. He like gave me addresses. I was down in Tucson, uh, for the book fair, the Tucson book festival. And, um, and and Henry gave me some, uh, addresses of places and I, I drove around and got to actually look at them and you know, I mean, I've been to Tucson. My my wife's family's from there, so we go there a lot. And I, I just have, you know, I, I understand the feel of it, and I think that's kind of more important when when doing art. Um, I was talking with with Henry about this, you know, the other day. It's like, you know, getting the emotionality of what's happening across is more important than the the actual like staging and specifics of it. Like mm-hmm. who's standing there and what they're saying is less important than kind of how it all feels. And so for me, it's it's all about like emotional connection uh, with with an audience and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just did tons of research. Uh, we did, god, a ton of, of initial sketches where I was just kind of like trying to capture the likeness of people in a way that I could draw over and over again. And, and Henry would give me notes back on those. And, and so, I mean, I, I, I guess bouncing it off of him and doing my research, you know, allowed it to have an authenticity. Because if if he looked at the drawings I did of his great grandfather and said, "Yeah, that's him," then then you know, who can deny that that's not him, you know? Right. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it was just the, it was you know a lot of research, and it's also kind of a lot of like my graphic design degree kind of comes in when I'm like trying to c- convey a, a certain emotionality or a certain, you know, feel of uh, how a place should look and feel, you know, just from, from color palettes to textures to line weight and all that sort of thing. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I think having, you know, having a full script, being able to read through it and having access to Henry and, and figure out what the emotional component is, 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 uh, indispensable. I'm mean, like, I can't, I couldn't do without it. And it's, it's made drawing it a lot easier.
1: Well, I haven't even read the book yet, but uh, just listening to the, the history of the, of Henry's story that he's wanting to tell and listening to you talking about wanting it to be emotional, I already feel a uh, misty.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'm actually uh, really happy that you guys point out, you guys did a lot of research, a lot of work, uh, you, you traveled to the location, um, how your studies helped you with emotionality about bringing that into the panels and so forth. So that kind of like, um, kind of introduces some people that might want to get into comics and they, they're like, okay, it's, it's work. It's not just like I'm drawing something and I put it out there and it's going to make me a million dollars. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of research and so forth. Uh, so one of the things that I like is hearing people and the research process. It makes me really happy because it, you can see the emotion coming from the person that's trying to tell the story. So one of the things I wanted to know was, um, what were some of the, um, the things that you uncovered in your research that were like, uh something that you didn't know that you came across and what were the most surprising ones
3: um well one of the biggest things that i was very shocked was very surprised uh shock isn't a good word i was very surprised to know to learn that ramon was the director of adult education mm-hmm. at the oh. elementary school and i didn't know that a family friend who'd been around who i used to as a kid call roy orbison <laughs> He was like the native Roy Orbison. He had the like <laughs> comb over, the glasses, that's funny. just like six foot five guy, real like, just kind of aloof dude, but such a kind, sweet man. I didn't know that my great grandfather met him, enrolled him in the school, taught him like you know basic, fundamental educational stuff, and he was able to get his first job. Wow, that's be- impressive. Right? Yeah, and yeah. that was just like, and he was just always around someone who had like like he was like 6 foot 5 and he drove this white corvette you know so like <laughs> just big native guy and like really changed his life and i had no idea that he had done that and i had no idea that they wanted to name the park that's right next to the school after my great grandfather my great grandfather said no oh wow yeah he just uh, hated recognition for some reason he was offered the purple heart he refused it oh my god from his time in world war ii yeah he was a sniper uh, for the marine corps uh that's why we call him well I didn't know this too. I didn't know that that <laughs> the Rambo was kind of a uh, was nickname? like a, a a nickname, but to like make fun of him oh. from some family members. So yeah. when I was a kid, they'd be like, "That's your that the Rambo," and I was like, "Okay, you know that <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. know that's what that meant." But they were kind of poking fun at him, Ooh. and I wanted to reclaim that. Like I like yeah, you know I wanted that to be more of an empowering thing. And there was a lot of emotions within my family. Like my aunt and uncles are all very protective, even though they all kind of stopped talking to him, stopped spending time with him. They're all very protective of his legacy. Mm -hmm. So they, so that was weighing a lot on me. I didn't know about a lot of uh, small kind of family uh, drama that popped up. Right. Um, And my, I told my uncle how uh, uh, Ramon. I was like, I'm not Ramon. Well, his name is Ramon, but it's Ralph. I said, I won't grow off. I'm going to make this comic. And he's like, no, you're not. And I was like, well, I need your help. And he goes, well, I'm not going to help you. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it with or without you. And he flipped out on me. And the next day, he ended up in the hospital having like a heart attack. Oh but God. this was because oh he has a horrible diet, not because. <laughs> and then the next day, I went to the hospital. And he goes, you put me in the hospital. <laughs> oh my gosh. But he had a lot going on. And he had to get heart surgery. And he now he's like half his weight. and he's oh, wow. So if, I, if anything, I should be. He yeah. should be thanking
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sure he's
3: going to listen to this.
1: So. <laughs> well, you actually brought up uh, something that I hadn't thought about of how, I mean, you, you know how Latino families oh, are. Oh, yeah. Uh, how yeah. they felt about this.
3: Well, it's been three years in the making, so after a while, they just thought I was never going to do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so I was counting on that. I was like, good, they don't care anymore. Right. Now they see the cover and they're kinda of like poking around. They haven't said anything. They've been following everything. Yeah. They haven't donated any money yet either, so <laughs> but uh they helped a lot with the research. Uh-huh. So if it weren't for them I wouldn't have this tremendous story and I wouldn't be working with um Gonzo and Claire Napier who's going to Thought Bubble this weekend. Uh she's been our editor. Uh-huh. We also I also worked with Elle Anderson as a as a story editor, but it was important for me to find someone like Claire who didn't have the emotional attachment that i had oh yeah that someone and also just didn't really know what the culture was so it was i wanted someone who could read this and say whether it was good or not and mm-hmm. if you follow her on twitter she'll tell you if she thinks it's good or not and someone who can read this and understand what was happening right and not have like a like a direct connection like someone like me and ganza would have you know right. because we you know what attracts i think a lot Gonzo to this is the subject matter, so he's. I think he's working harder than he normally would on any other creator-owned project or any other freelance project, and that I mean, I'm I'm eternally grateful for.
0: Yeah. Oh, and that's so good that you touched on that because I wanted to know Gonzo, what kind of uh, research were you doing out there, like getting the landscape and so forth, where you know that what the story was that you that you had read in the um the outline, and did anything kind of move you um that you were just like that you could tell us about
4: oh um well I, I think that uh when henry pitched me on the idea you know it seemed very kind of personal and and, and uh admi- I, i'd have to and i don't think i've ever told henry this it, it sounded a little small but personal and i was like well you know if he's going to pay me for it i'd like to work with henry he's a good dude uh but then i got the script and i saw the scope of it and that kind of blew me away i'm like oh, i don't Mo you like i know i know these names like these are these are important people in arizona that he was dealing with and, and uh and then I had seen, uh, I seen a draft of the script that had some, um, of that World War II stuff in there. And I thought it, it laid a good groundwork for kind of who Ramon was and, and what his kind of warrior spirit was, you know, and it spoke to that. And then I got a draft of the script that didn't have that in there. And I was like, that, I think it needs to go back in. There. I think we need to kind of show that there is a, there's a through line of courage in this man's life that, that he downplays, but was very beneficial to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, you know, I, I just kind of. Uh, you know i looked up you know just visually what i had to do to, to find references but then um you know like like kind of historically looking at some of the political figures uh and then seeing the scope of this uh really kind of uh i don't think it changed my attitude toward like i was going to do right by henry because I, because i knew it was so personal but i think it um it definitely added some gravity to everything where i was like oh this is super important to a lot of people not, not just henry and how how the book comes out this is important to a whole class of marginalized peoples that have probably never had the story told before, and this is just a nice uh, lens by which to focus that enti- the entirety of that story on.
5: In another way, kind of uh, giving the history of Arizona through the Native eyes. Right. Yeah, that, and, that in yeah. itself is very important.
3: Thank you. Yeah, and, and and growing up, being in growing up in Old Bosque, which is primarily is a re- Indian or Native American reservation. I always was very conscious of natives in in pop culture mm-hmm. and in media so um I grew up being a big fan of uh, Alexi uh, Sherman Alexie's and that mm-hmm. was one of the people that I really enjoyed work, reading his work cuz he had a very fundamental and respective a very respectful point of view of native american people um so I wanted to do right by natives and and show how strong they were in the story and not, and show how strong my great grandfather was but also show that he was a human, the all this work consequently drove him from his family. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. his family felt second best. And that's mm-hmm. what I learned while writing this. Everyone felt like they got the short end of the stick. Like all the family all the families on the reservation were getting new shoes, new clothes, new toys. Mm-hmm. And the kids were all giving that away. Yeah. And they were seeing yeah. all these people benefit. But they didn't see what they had. I mean they had a house, they had a floor, they had a really Nice property while people that they were getting these benefits, you know, these toys and clothing lived on the ground. Right. You know, their mm-hmm. houses were made of cardboard mm-hmm, back yeah. then. And um so what really in, kind of pivoted the whole movement was the Interstate 10 construction. The people were living on the ground. They were just finally getting some like sidewalks and stuff. And they lived within a mile away from a dump. Oh, wow. wow. So people would go to the dump and get like food or um you know boxes to use for their insulation in their homes so eventually their efforts led the interstate 10 to go over that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which any human would probably pick that place anyway versus where actual people were living but
1: right mm-hmm.
3: but yeah so it's it's um it's an interesting history that Tucson has either ignored or just didn't know how to translate you know or didn't really know the people because Native people are very shy, they don't really like to mm-hmm. talk to anybody, mm-hmm. a lot of their history is oral, so I don't know, but it's my, it's what I can prove, and hopefully people will dig it, you know?
5: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And from, uh, you've touched on a, upon it a little, but from your perspective, how important is it, is it for the Latinx community uh, to know about their Native roots? Because I know, personally for me, it didn't click for me that my grandparents are... And especially from my father's side, are full-blooded Mayan. Mm, Yeah. They're Mayan. And it didn't click for me until after college. While I was growing up, I was just all like, I'm I'm Latino, but I didn't really know what it meant. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the Latinx community kind of ignores that part.
3: It's not our fault. Mm -hmm. It's really, um, I'm from Arizona. The educational board, they people had to fight to teach Latin history mm-hmm, and Mexican mm-hmm. culture. And that's still a fight that's going on to this day. And I think they recently won that fight, but they don't want you to know about where you come from. This mm-hmm. also um, stems out to every nationality, you know, that they don't want black people to know where they come from. Mm-hmm. You know, like they don't want us to know how we got here because it's beneficial to us to just be these workers and these people that just kind of pl- plug in A and B, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm very fortunate to be able to go back and see my great grandfather and see how he, what he did. And sometimes it's, um, it's, some people aren't as lucky, you know, and I don't have the best relationship with my father. So I'm unfortunately never going to know my dad's side. Mm-hmm. This is all my mom's side. Oh, okay. uh-huh. and my dad's from Juarez, Mexico, mm-hmm. and I'll never... You know, because of my relationship, I don't want to know of him, so I will never be able to get that mm-hmm. from him. Not that he knows, but mm-hmm, he will yeah. be able to help me with that. So if you're able to go back and it doesn't hurt that much, cause it will, it's gonna, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna hurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, people are gonna get mad and things just get hairy when you start mm-hmm. talking to your family. But if you can do it, I, I suggest everyone go back and write down what they can so that if a curious kid like myself asks, well, what did Ramon do? You'll be able to answer those questions.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of us take for granted the wealth of knowledge of our elders in our family and don't realize that unless those stories are passed down from generation to generation, once that person passes away all those stories, all that family history, it's gone. And unless somebody comes around and writes it down or makes an awesome comic book out of it, no one's going to ever know. And we all have, I think amazing stories in our, in our past for people to tell for sure.
0: Actually your project, um, just this Sunday inspired me to ask my aunt more about my great grandma.
3: Oh,
2: good.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, it was really just a matter of fact. We were just chatting, and then all of a sudden, my un- my cousins started gathering around. And oh, my that's beautiful! At, and it was just like really moving. And I'm like, dude, I'm so emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was actually because of you, like oh, the searching and I'm stuff so like, happy that. And to hear like that. And I was like, I should ask more questions. And that just happened just Sunday. So that is like, so
3: good to hear. And so, it's uh, yeah, I mean, some people don't have good people in their families, and some people try to hide that. And I also want to respect that as well. So this isn't for everybody, mm-hmm. no, but I'm glad that. you had that experience. Oh, it's yeah. really, it's really beautiful. You're never gonna forget it.
1: Oh yeah, it was great. Gonzo, I actually yep. have a. Uh, I want to make sure you're awake.
4: <laughs> First of all, but second of oh, all, can, can I can I semi-answer that last? Question? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, um, because uh, a, a couple of uh, intru- uh well things that make this personal for me. Uh First of all, I, uh, I'm also part native. I, uh, I have, uh, on my mom's side, I'm Mescalero Apache. Oh wow. Uh, but like so much so that if, uh, if I wanted to give a kid up for adoption, uh, I would have to check with them first. Like they, you know, they have to Oh, right, wow. Right. Okay. But, uh, but if my kids gave a kid up for adoption, then it doesn't matter. Right. Like they, they wouldn't, they would have to ask. But, um, so like I'm right on that class. Uh, but it's a, it's a part of my, you know, my heritage that, that that's been there and, and kind of talked about, but, um, I think that's, uh, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. Like I'm a little older than Henry. Um, uh, and, and even like our, like Latino heritage was kind of taken from us. Like we were just homogenized. Like, sp- like I don't speak Spanish because it was, we just weren't allowed to like, right. mm-hmm. you know, like nobody, you know, nobody of that generation learned Spanish because it was be really discouraged. And so I think that, yeah, I, I think that just kind of knowing, you know, uh, the, uh, native aspect of, of being like, because most Mexicans are like, you know, mestizo, we're all, we're all kind of mixed, um, or to some degree, but, um, I think it's important to reconcile the fact that then it, even as much as we are like part native and it's, you know, we should definitely like, look, you know, respect that. Like we, we are also part Spanish too, right? Like we have the, the mm-hmm. skin tone of mm-hmm. the natives, but the, the surnames of the, the, the conquerors. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's, uh, it's something I've talked about at length before where it's like, you know, we're, we're it's a complicated relationship with, with history that we have with our own histories. Um, you know, because we're as much victim as we are victimizer, right? Yeah. So neither I think that's you, also neither,
5: yeah.
4: Yeah, it, It's, it's yeah. also part of why I think that Mexicans tend to celebrate action as opposed to just inherently who, who people are, you know? Like, America's a little more ego-driven, and the West is a little more ego-driven. You know, there's a specialness to people, right? Like, Western mythology has a lot of, like, heroes that were born a certain way, whereas Mexicans have people who do things that are extraordinary, that aren't just extraordinary by near, the very virtue of their birth. And I think that the story exemplifies that kind of, like, uh, a heroism that is inherent to Latino peoples. It's like we're not – it's not about who you are. It's about what you do, and you can just dig in and do it.
0: I like that. I like that, too. (laughs) I was just thinking about that. I'm like, he's absolutely right, you know. Um, I really like that. That that, uh, resonates a lot in me. It it just kind of like a little spark, and now I'm just going to go into some kind of rabbit hole and (laughs) (laughs) –
4: well it's part of the reason that i that i draw like you know not to get back to me personally but it's part of the reason like i lo- i think the luchador is so re- representative of mexican culture because it's someone who obliterates their identity and is defined solely by their actions
5: You're right and i i
4: think there's there's a lot of mexican heroes that are like that you know from from zorro who who granted isn't it completely like you know but you know there was a a, a comic in um, that was really popular in mexico that was the uh, an invisible man like and it just like literally the main character wasn't drawn it was just what he did and his effect on people and I think that as a culture, it resonates with us. Our heroes are always about what they do and not just who they are.
5: Mm-hmm. And that brings up, uh, again, something that we already talked about a little bit is that oral storytelling is very, very prominent in intergenerational Latino households. Like it's, it's how we tell stories. It's, uh, we're not really used to writing things down. And, uh, Henry, you said that you thought comic books was the best Way of telling your gran- great grandfather's story. Right. And I wanted to expand on that a little bit more as well, uh, like besides oral storytelling and how important it is between, uh, the Latino, in Latino households, why do you think that the comic book format is more, it was better for this uh For your grandfather's story, your great grandfather's story as opposed to like a book or like a movie or like a short film or some form of audio
3: right um I like the well with me, comics has a better you could do almost anything with comics there's mm-hmm. you could do music, you could do everything you want to do with it I mean we could make it a flip book and it can move in front of you mm-hmm. um, I feel like with film. I'd have to compromise a lot with um, with um with prose, which is... This was what it was going to be originally. Oh, okay. Um, until I read John Lewis's March. Oh, by, yeah. With Nate mm-hmm. Powell and I forget who the other guy is, but, but he's a really can, nice guy.
5: You can even catch history. Right. In
3: the comic book yeah, yeah. That. You see... Yeah, I mean, you could do anything with comics, and that's what I love about this medium. And that's just my preferred method. And um, I think that... This is an easier pill to swallow, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I want this to be something that could be used in the classroom too. Like when I was in, um, uh, when I was in high school, there was a, uh, my, my uh, history teacher, Mr. Johnson brought mouse into Mm -hmm. the class Mm -hmm. to you, to talk to talk about the uh, Holocaust. And I was, I had never been more invested in school, Yeah. Yeah. still haven't, you know, (laughs) (laughs) until that Time, so I feel like that would be some way to, you know, break the monotony of words. You know, I love words, yeah. you know, and, and I, I feel like I have a uh, competent, you know, comprehension of that. But hopefully, my storytelling abilities as a comic book author will help serve this better, and I'll be able to hand this to anybody, and they don't have to read the books; they could just see the the pictures. Thanks to Jace. Uh, thanks to John Gonzo and uh they could read it that way, you know
1: uh i would love to read the story about you going and handing this book to um members of the Yakis that are still there oh yeah,
3: that's gonna be um that's the sequel
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um so uh we're in the middle of your Kickstarter campaign yes right now can you tell us a little bit about uh, how the progress is going and um, what are some of the cool unique rewards that backers can get
3: well I well we had two 11 by seventeen original pieces by gonzo and they went first day so I bet yeah <laughs> um, he does we do have some I think uh, eight and a half by eleven are those taken up too
4: uh I, I, I haven't checked the status on those lately but um they were going
3: yeah Mm -hmm. um i like i like clothes so i may (laughs) we uh, i asked jason uh gonzo if we could take the uh latinx logo he made and we're putting Yo, it on shirts. Awesome. Putting packs. it on uh, hats and fanny packs. I like fanny packs. Yeah. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I, I,
0: I am so glad that you mentioned fanny packs because uh because one of the main characters in um Border Town is wears a fanny yeah. pack? For me, now I'm searching everywhere for red fanny packs. Right. <laughs> like I think they're cu- I think they're gonna come back you guys We're are doing
3: it back. <laughs> we're doing black ones. And oh, I like black sweet. and uh
5: look you haven't been to the Callejones lately if you think the fanny packs have <laughs> gone. (laughs) they're still going strong yeah i
3: mean kids are wearing them around their arms oh now which is kind of funny to me but i've 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 seen it yeah my great my well my thought the frank he used to wear one and i would have to wear one so like there's pictures of me as this like 10 year old kid looking like an old dude with a fanny pack so but it's gonna have his cool logo uh we're doing a digital uh copy because i want this to be digital first um i'm also a big proponent of digital comics um, well there's also going to be a one issue uh kickstarter a comic that we're going to publish we're doing um, 2 11 by 17 uh limited edition prints that that display Gonzo's art of the cover and the uh one of my favorite pages of the pr- first protest that they um, stage oh, cool at city hall And um, what else do we got?
1: Well, the one that really caught my eye was, wasn't there uh, a level where a a backer could actually be drawn Mm -hmm. into the book?
3: Yes, for $100, Jason, excuse me, Gonzo, will draw you into the book.
0: I thought that Gosh. was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I know. That would have been awesome for me too. I, I would have loved I feel like
3: we it. should just put you all in for letting us. <laughs> I mean, really? oh, my yeah, God. right? It's such an honor. <laughs> Just oh you God,
1: three. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I, I think so. Don't, don't tease me. I was already <laughs> telling my husband that I wanted to put up the hundred bucks um and maybe have like a commodity comics billboard or something yeah. in the background somewhere. Sure. Change history. <laughs> oh
0: <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> They've been around forever. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Oh my gosh. You, don't tease me. That's I love awesome. this <laughs> I've
3: been putting myself in comics all my life, so I know people like to be you know, yeah. immortalized in, with words and pictures. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to have that. It, and it's available. so cool.
0: I, I never thought of it until, um, Handro Gamboa uh, showed us in, in El yes. that he, uh, he put, uh, Javier. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hernandez and uh, <laughs> Rafael Navarro.
1: Oh, wow. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. It was so awesome. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and we read it, and we looked at it, and we glossed right over it. But yeah. when he pointed yeah. it out, there was no way to miss it. Right. right. Yeah.
3: Exactly. <laughs> we'll make sure that everyone has to see you three anyway. Yeah. I'm so
2: excited. Oh, my gosh. But we still need your money. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no te preocupes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hmm can't pay the cell phone but again. <laughs> yeah it. i you saw know, that, I that that was that was it. so funny
3: I, i'll leave you 12 bucks if you need your phone bill that's,
0: no i already paid it okay, but good, at the good. time i was like mm, i don't want to miss this opportunity i'm gonna yeah that's really so, thank you priority thank you so much
5: Feel like this is an indirect
1: drag to me it's like, this is a call out that
3: y'all oh no you <laughs>
1: Well, speaking of uh, We Still Need Your Money, how much time is left on the, today's the 20th? Like,
3: so I think we have, it ends on Columbus Day st- strategically as a FU to Columbus.
1: Yeah. Gotcha.
5: So. Nice. Now recognized in California as Indigenous, Indigenous Day. Indigenous Day, yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm sure it's Columbus Day everywhere else, but.
5: Oh, yeah, the East has some emotional attack <laughs> or something like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. So that's that was the big idea. That's when the day that it ends is the day we also want to release it digitally to all our backers. Oh, okay. So, okay, cool.
0: Sweet. Sweet. Yeah.
3: So uh you know, it's important for us to come through and do what we can to, you know, honor everyone that's you know pledged their hard-earned money because you know times are tough.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
5: So important is it for Latinx creators to have access to non-traditional sources of funding like Kickstarter? And especially, uh, I have seen that on Kickstarter itself. Once a book does well, it's usually picked up by uh, either an independent publishing company or one of the major ones, like Image or DC's like Vertigo and stuff like that sometimes. And do you think that is something that you would be interested in, or would you rather keep... Uh, your own book, to your like, uh, under your power.
3: Um, I can't say what's happening with that. There mm-hmm. is uh, some interest from publishers. Thankfully, um, we will have news soon about that. Look
1: at Jen digging deep into getting the cheese <laughs> yeah. Look, It turns <laughs> out we have cheese man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> de la semana after all. <laughs>
3: You know, if you, you, I've been in this industry for a long time and I've been talking about this for a long time. So a lot of people are, want to see this succeed and I'm very Absolutely. honored. Yeah. You know, yeah. and thankfully the art is good. So oh, people like that lovely. and wanted that to show that to everyone.
1: It's more than good. I'm sorry. I had to break in here, Gonzo, when Henry showed me on his phone. I just saw a little on his phone. I was, I think the words that came out of my right, mouth right? was like, holy fuck that's amazing (laughs) oh yeah (laughs)
0: And once the Thank colors you. kicked in, I was like, and you know, he told me about this in WonderCon, and I was like, any word, any word, any word? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so excited. I love your artwork. It's amazing. The colors, uh, I, I just love it. The style, you really knocked
1: it out of the park for me and I cannot wait to read it and see it. I will have to shake Matt Hawkins' hand um, yeah. Yeah. for being the, the matchmaker here.
5: Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, when I saw the, I just, I thought it was beautiful. Thank I, you. I yeah. thought it was absolutely lovely.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I think that's one of the benefits of Kickstarter too, is showing that like Latinx, like this comic endeavor isn't like you investing in it isn't a isn't a charity endeavor. Like it's a real right. comic. Like right. if you look at it, like like a real artist drew that. Like someone who knows what they're doing. Sometimes you know was uh, <laughs> <laughs> working on. It. And, and I also think that it's a proving ground for these uh, companies that maybe are on the fence about you know taking chances on on something like you know Latinx creators doing a book about like you know, indigenous people rights and stuff like that. That sounds like a huge gamble to a bigger company, but it it, it affords us like a, a democratization of interest, right? Like it, it allows us to be up there with anyone else doing any other time and showing these people, showing like the higher ups that, that no, this, it's viable to do these kinds of stories. And I also think it proved to them like an, an authenticity that sells it as opposed to having to hedge their bets that they were doing it on their own. Right. So if, if uh, Marvel or DC wanted to do, like, a Latino's, like, you know, superhero, like they did with, like, say, you know, the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Like, they hedge their bets and they make it, you know, well, he's half Latino and he's half black, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and uh, maybe he doesn't speak Spanish. and You know, it's uh there's a lot of uh, compromise that has to happen for big companies to do these intimate stories, whereas we're better equipped to tell it in an authentic voice that will resonate with the people it's intended for, and then we can prove to them that that resonance... Uh, has a, uh, has a number attached to it, right? That there's enough of these people out there that these, you know, if you let someone who, who has an authentic voice tell these kinds of stories, there is an audience for it, uh, that they might, may or may not have been uh, able to produ- produce on their own. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, and, and you happened, uh, your, the example you gave, Miles Morales, I mean, authenticity, um, we talk about it so much when we are, um on our podcast and in our panels that, uh, the authenticity of the, um Latinidad of a character who is supposed to be Latinx is so important and we never get that with Miles. Um,
4: no. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, he's, he's brownwashed to a certain degree. It, yeah. You know? Which I, you know, there's a couple of things about that that I, that I feel like we're, we need to be a little careful of as Latinx creators that I've, you know, uh, I was talking with Henry the other day, like we're in danger of, of creating like a monomyth, right? Like there's, there's the monomyth of like the African American success story where like, oh, you must have grown up without a father in the ghetto mm-hmm. and that's not true, you know. And it's like, oh, you probably lived with your grandmother and she threw chancas at you, you know. <laughs> uh, and it's, think, with the best intentions, but are becoming a little destructive, like... And I'm okay with, like, like, look, there should be, you know, there should be black gay people on, on screen. There should be Latina gay people on screen. Sorry, I don't know how I got off on of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's important to me that, like, the full breadth of types of people can be out there. Like, which is one of the things that attracted me to this comic was, was uh, you know, it, it shows... Where I'm alone in, in, in all of his, like, facets, right, all the foibles, all the, all the you know, the, the positives and the negatives, and it doesn't shy away from, like, you know, the, the things that maybe he didn't get right completely or, or maybe, the, like, the, the damage that he did within his own kind of life. Uh, it doesn't make him this kind of infallible hero. And, I, and I'm, I'm for showing that, but I'm also, like, let, let's kind of uh, – let's maybe watch how, you know, the way that we humanize people uh, might be a little bit uh, stereotyping, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Henry uh i i it's actually uh, an interesting point and i i definitely think a valid one that all creators probably need to um have uh, in their mind somewhere when they're creating sarah uh, <laughs> you, you wanted to ask about uh, any uh, advice that they might be able to give to latinx creators um that's absolutely true i'm sorry um uh, my 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 paper was full of it. Oh. <laughs> uh
0: but yeah actually uh and, you know, how you guys touched on the fact that it, you know, takes research, it's, it takes driving down to the site, uh, three years of research, talking to people, it takes a lot of work. So, um, I wanted you to kind of like, ex- uh, kind of maybe, uh, explain kind of like, um, uh, what, what would you suggest if somebody came up to you and said, Hey, I want to, I want to make a comic book. What, what do you think I should do? Or what's your advice? What kind of advice would you give?
3: Um, my advice to people that want to make comics is to make, comics Mm -hmm. it's very important for you to just do it you learn that way from failure and success and if you got to also be ready for a lot of rejection you know i've been trying to make comics for the last 10 years and i finally got to a point where people were accepting my ideas so this has to be (laughs) (laughs) this has to be something you really want to do and um also there there has to be a level of authenticity to mm-hmm. what you're doing. You know, people will see through your Hollywood pitch or people will see through your Spider-Man idea that you're yeah. just changing the name. So I'm lucky to have just pieced together this story that no one can tell but me. Right. Mm-hmm. And use this as a, as a way to inspire people use it as a way to forward my own career, to document my own family. Um, just network, be nice to people, talk to people, uh, talk to artists, work with artists, pay your artists, respect your artists. Like I could have done this podcast without Gonzo. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we, we didn't have to call, but I want him to be a part of this and I want him to know that he's very, it's just as important. Absolutely. Put your mm-hmm. creators on the, on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, pay your editors and find the best people that you could possibly find and do your best and put your best foot forward and just make the book because at a certain point someone's either going to do your idea and you're going to feel like someone stole it yeah <laughs> or you're just going to like live through life and not have done it right. and that's a terrible feeling and thankfully I've put out enough comics in my life to not have that feeling but right. this is something I need to tell because yeah. it's been in my body it's been in my mind my heart My bones for three years, my great grandfather's words, intentions, failures, and successes has been on my, on my mind. Yeah. And I'm just ready for it to just bleed out into a page.
5: A story from the
1: soul, yeah. Yeah. Um, we are here promoting and talking about, um, the Kickstarter specifically for, um, in his words, La Voz de Mayotata Rambo. Um, issue one, but how much more story is there?
3: there's a lot there's a lot of story there's uh there's a story within Ramon uh-huh. there's a story within his family mm-hmm. there's a story within the tribe and how all that comes together and how they get to how they stopped the construction how they built the health center which was one of the first low-cost clinics that offered contraception cr- contraception mm-hmm. um, how they it kept the integrity of their tribe mm-hmm. how they who they sent they didn't send my Great grandfather to meet with in Washington to meet with the Carter administration. They sent, uh, Valencia Uh who was the, there was, there was Ramon who had the voice of Mayo, but then there was the voice of the tribe and they didn't always agree. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and I find that an interesting dynamic where you have people that want to do right by you, but there's a, there is a stern, Idea that the tribe wanted to have, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one person wanted to expand that, and the elders wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I won't. I can't wait to tell that story, and I can't wait to tell the the draw the family drama that happened with my great grandfather, my grandfather. You know, he was a teenager when all this was happening. and He was high, strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, in the first couple pages, you see them have an, an argument, which mm-hmm. kind of kicks off the the dynamic, the family dynamic, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you see him have some PTSD from World War II. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to kind of show all the relationships come to a big crescendo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it be the success of the tribe or the, the downfall of his family. So I'm thinking a four minute issue miniseries. And if Absolutely. we can. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If we can, we'll uh, go straight to trade. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, it's cheaper to do a trade, mm-hmm. but I love floppies. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. I'm a, you know, monthly guy.
1: Right. <laughs> uh, well, you heard it here, uh, first that Trey Paperback's gonna have a release party. <laughs> uh, Heidi Hoka! <Hukon>. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and I really hope maybe Gonzo can make the trip down, that'd be awesome. I mean, I'm
3: hoping, <laughs> so the, you know, the other thing with the Kickstarter money is that we get to, you know, save some money and send them out, you know, to cons and, yeah. you know, put them up and, Send Claire out. I know Claire is very reluctant to come to the United States, which I totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it would be cool to meet Claire in the flesh because we've been talking a lot for her for like the last two years, so but yeah. No, I I can't wait to do a Heidi Ho party. <laughs> That's gonna be a lot of fun. It's a good shop and
1: if you're listening you should go there. it's definitely a uh, Comadre C Comics rite of passage for all of our uh, <laughs> creators that we support. <laughs> so uh, we know that you're a listener to yeah. the podcast. We got to so talk you,
3: about what we like, you right? You know, yeah, that yeah. we have
1: an on uh, on your radar, on my radar segment. So both you and Gonzo, um, uh, tell us what is on your radar right now. What are some books that you're reading or that you would recommend?
4: Gonzo, you go first. Uh, I'm reading Border Town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah really, uh, oh, i wonder I why yeah, there might have been conversation about that yeah um yeah but both the guys you know well, the writer and the artist on that are, are guys i know um, which is cool to see them doing some, some fun stuff especially for like a vertigo title yeah absolutely um, yeah i'm also reading like ed pisker's uh, x-men grand design okay fantastic mm-hmm. uh jim Rugg's street angel is kind of fantastic mm. i don't know if you guys are aware of that yeah um it's uh yeah it, it's uh it's very gender empowering, like the, the little girl, uh, she's like a little girl too, who's like a, the main hero and, and oh, having cool. a daughter, I, I always have an eye for like, you know, uh, badass little girls. Right, that yeah. I find, you know, great, yeah. So, I mean, my daughter's like way older than, than that, but I still, um she, uh, she comes to conventions with me and, and we ended up at Heroes next to Jim and I think she was real enamored with the, the street angel. Oh, that's so, cool. Um, yeah. Oh,
5: that yeah, is yeah. cool.
3: You sound yeah, like, up. Gonzo, you sound like someone's son.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to
3: remember you have children
4: oh, yeah, yeah i know uh yeah my daughter's like in college too like she left the country for college like oh, wow, not even like wow. a kid kid yeah that's still i don't feel old enough for that you know like you know i feel like she ran away from home more than she went to college <laughs> yeah. but she's missing maybe actually. <laughs>
3: Uh, I'm, uh, really into Burnouts number one that came out this oh, last yeah. Wednesday. Oh,
4: yeah. Okay, yeah. Jen
1: Oh, so is this the book you wanna read <laughs> that you're talking about? Jen read me the description of <laughs> that book and I just busted out laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh. I had no interest until reading that. Yeah. They, they were saving the world one, uh, one toke at, uh, like, <laughs> at a time or one pup at a time. One at a time. One blunt at a yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah.
3: No, I'm really good friends with Dennis Culver, who's the writer. Okay. And um I went to a signing last night at Collector's Paradise oh, uh-huh. in Wintecka. Um I really like that aside from him being my friend. It, it it's because like when you get into this as long, as you know, you all would know. Yeah. You start to read comics that are your friends so you feel biased, you yeah. know. <laughs> like the Iceman number one by Cena Grace. Yes. It's a great you know, he had mentioned this at the signing he said he did the telling out story now it's the being out story Uh which is really Uh interesting and it's very cena grace if you know him and read the dialogue it's pretty it's pretty cool so i also like the adventure uh adventure van that uh golden apple's putting out um ryan cody who's a phoenix guy um is really cool he's the artist behind that um and dennis uh will dennis is the editor and i got to work with him when we did where we live but I also brought y'all uh aphrodite five number ones for you to check out oh, yeah. Aphrodite five number is really good um it's written by Brian Edward Hill who's writing the um another American something at vertigo and he did postal and he's doing yes. Batman detective comics mm-hmm. now and did michael Cray so this is like um
1: Brian is actually one of my favorite uh uh, top cow people i love postal yeah. and i'm i can't wait for american carnage Ameri- yeah that's You're it so excited yes. about that yes i've yeah. read it already but i just can't right. wait for everyone else yeah. to read it and for the ongoing well
3: he did yeah so he's uh he's so good at he right is. he's such a good storyteller he is. i really like the new witchblade um uh, by Caitlin kitridge and uh, roberta and granada and, um, the colors by Brian Valenza and, uh, our letter who do, who works at Top Cow, Troy Petrie. Uh, it's just like one of those like cop drama, um, serialized kind of drama stories that that's, that's, it's kind of one of those like novels that you would read, uh-huh. but it's more, but it has that Witchblade element, which is cool. pretty cool. So that's what I'm into.
1: Awesome. Those all sound uh, really cool, and ones that um, I haven't. Uh, some of them I have read, some of them I haven't. But I'm always looking for recommendations. My my single floppy pile is so big. <laughs> I've just been reading trades. You have uh, a big floppy lately, one. But, yeah, just... <laughs> I have a big floppy one just waiting for me at home. You <laughs> oh, guys. <God.
3: laughs> why I love this show. <laughs> You don't care. (laughs) You three just don't care. That's what I love, that a lot of podcasters like don't want to piss off creators, don't want to say the wrong thing, but you three just don't give a shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm more of the, uh, kind of like, I try to be like Switzerland, like, it's, oh, <laughs> That red color they use is great. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. but these, especially Jen with yeah. the Angry Cat. Oh, cats. Jen. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, Angry Cat's my but favorite. But you know what? I don't like something, I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, and, and then she inspires me to be more like, Hey, they need,
1: constructive criticism. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yes, so for those people, say my 85-year-old grandmother wanted to support uh, Tata Rambo on Kickstarter. (laughs) How would you describe to her in the easiest um, way possible how to support your project?
3: I would just say, give me your iPad. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do it. Uh, To describe the...
4: to write
3: a five dollar check. <laughs> <laughs> Put in a birthday card.
1: <laughs> I was putting five dollars for my grandmother up until like my <laughs> my thirty. Oh,
3: that's sweet. Wow. I was giving my grandma five dollars <laughs> Um, so are you asking me how to explain the project or the Kickstarter? No,
1: how would how would you best explain in the easiest way possible for someone to support? The project on Kickstarter, maybe like for people who've never even right. done anything on Kickstarter You've before, never even heard of yeah. Kickstarter.
3: Yeah, yeah. So Kickstarter is a online crowdfunding platform that allows people to donate money to specific tiers or get certain rewards that's mm-hmm. tied directly to Amazon. So it's like buying an Amazon book. Basically, oh,
0: I didn't know it was directly wow, that's, Amazon. Let's see. We learned something. Yeah. There Yeah.
3: So that's where the 10 to 15 percent comes out of. Whenever okay. you do a Kickstarter, okay. they have to pay Amazon for the processing fees. So I'm, I'm just basically it, it would be like buying a comic through kicks through Amazon.
1: Right. OK. Yeah. Oh, okay. But cool. instead
3: of buying it through a store, you're buying it from the curator, the person who actually is making it.
1: Right. Yeah. And so how could we do that? Do do you have links on your yes. website? So or where we, can we go?
3: Excuse me, the beer and the Bratwurst is uh, making me burp. Uh, so we have a La Voz de Mayo Instagram. You can find us on La Voz de Mayo. If you look up La Voz de Mayo on Kickstarter, you can find it on my Twitter, because I'm ba- constantly asking people to, for their support. <laughs> on my Facebook, at Henry Barajas, you can find it on Jay Gondo's uh, social media streams as well. Um, we do not have a centralized website, but we do have an Instagram where the link is in the bio. So, um, since the kids don't really use websites, I feel like the Instagram, yeah, uh, Snapchat's a little too risky. So, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll just stick with Instagram. Yeah,
1: the I totally kids, agree. We, <laughs> we, uh, we refer to Jen when we want to know what the kids are doing. Uh, am I missing a place? <laughs> How old are
3: you? Can I ask? Yeah, that's
1: fine. I'm
5: 24.
3: You're 24. So you, is there a place I should be going to that I don't know about? Cause I'm a 29 year old. <laughs>
5: geezer now oh my god
3: right no i'm not saying I'm, you know i'm not saying that i'm an old okay i am old but not that old i don't know you know what i'm saying is there a place that i don't know that i need to go to twitter oh well, i have twitter Well, you
1: mentioned twitter. then it's on twitter you mentioned, it's on hendry Bros. I mean, he right
3: yeah. okay cool
1: yeah um, but you're a li- i'm sorry but you are a little lacking on your in On your DMs? ig oh there well, are four it just posts. started there are four posts <laughs> <laughs> You're halfway through, there's four posts.
3: It, what else? And, okay, I'll I'm and, gonna post a picture of us on there. And yes,
1: you definitely. don't use any hashtags. Yeah,
3: they do. See watch, scroll down.
1: I am, there's nothing well, there. Well,
3: that's the first one. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna hire you to do it. Then.
1: You ha- you can get thirty hashtags per post and you need to be using all thirty. Okay. Yep. Um okay. I have one last question.
0: <laughs> sure. um, are You to yeah. scold me too. <laughs> no, 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 um I'm one of the things that I've been uh really happy about ever since Quince is um the translation to the Spanish language. Yes. So I'm wondering uh is that something you guys are planning on doing? As oh well? yes. Oh, that God. is a
3: definitely oh, something cool. I wanna do that's um built into the amount that I'm that I'm trying to crowdfund. Okay. So I know a guy his name is uh Sam Stone. He can translate into like six different languages. <gasps> wow. wow. He did Beowulf? Wow. Okay, yes. Yeah, yes. he did that I, am I guess. With yeah, that. yeah. Yes. so whatever that was originally in, he translated to English.
4: Oh, I wow. know what that was originally. That was in uh, English. Yeah. But like, I mean it was in it was in Middle English. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> whatever I mean, he yeah. yeah, I don't know what he I mean he knows like a bunch of languages and we talked, and he he's interested in doing it. I, it's very important for me to share this in Spanish because then the people in Pascua that can read Spanish will be able to read it.
1: Yeah, when we ever we do uh, conventions or expos, um, my husband does a a, a web a web comic and he did a special for this last year's Latino Comics Expo um, where he took the best of and he had Jen actually translated oh, them into we'll Spanish. Oh, well maybe Jen can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the people that come up to our table and they see that book and they they start looking through it and they realize that it's in Spanish, they get so excited to be able to take it and share it with oh, their monolingual family members good. at home and seeing that is so awesome. Yeah. Um, knowing that, that comics are now reaching a whole other generation that uh, they really didn't have the opportunity right. or access to do that because they couldn't read uh, in, in, the I, ones in English. I
3: did part-time with a, for a comic book store, and we always had this discussion where the Spanish books never moved. Mm-hmm so i don't want to do a large print run of something mm-hmm. that i can't move mm-hmm. yeah. so it's going to be digital first and if i can get a publisher to do it and take it and do what they want with it and do it in spanish that'd be great and maybe we can use some of the money to do a separate spanish comic yeah, yeah. um but uh, i want to be conscious of doing this first before i move into a translation
5: yeah absolutely yeah. No,
3: definitely. because it's going to be easy to do it digitally Yeah. But I know a lot of the elders in Oposco won't ever, you know, do. People that read comics barely read them digitally. So (laughs) it would be really difficult to get Maria in Calla Adelanto to pick up her iPad.
1: Yeah. If
3: she even has one, I mean, that's pretty expensive stuff too.
1: Well, She I want, doesn't exist, I'm sorry. I, I, I want to thank both of you, uh, Gonzo and Henry, for coming and being guests on Commodity Comics and give you the opportunity to share any other places or things that you want to, us to know about this project or any other projects that you have going and how we can just continue to support you.
2: Well, well, Henry, that's Henry's you.
1: thinking. So Gonzo, if <laughs> you yeah. have a good answer. <laughs> uh, well, uh,
4: first and foremost, uh, check out if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area, or you're going to be attending uh, CXC in uh, Columbus, Ohio, on the uh, 29th, 30th. Uh, on the 28th, uh, come check out Soulcon, which is uh, Black and Latino. That comics, sounds right.
1: awesome. Yeah.
4: Yep. Uh, and then in March, we're doing Latino Comics Expo in Modesto.
1: oh uh, we we will be there yeah yeah
4: Yeah. i mean i was at the last latino comics expo uh i must have seen you guys
1: yeah i was gonna say we must have seen you too (laughs) yeah
4: Yeah. 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 i mean i've been there for like five years in a row so i'll
3: have to go to this latino expo thing because i haven't been been? oh you've never been no i'm always working or something oh yeah. yeah um i'm on the exotic review
1: that sounds... Forget it. No, that's exotic. not... No, it's a... That's a, like a
3: prostitute website for... I'm writing it down to future. <laughs> and that's how I ruined the marriage. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Don't look at the current Instagram, <laughs> as you've just heard. What, uh, do you have another one? Yeah, my Henry Barajas. Yeah, okay. so uh, you can find me there. Um, Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is where I'm at the most. So okay. Instagram and Twitter. And um, I just did a, a word WordPress just to show, like, it's stupid. Don't look at that one. <laughs> um, you can find me at, um, I'm going to the Big Adventure show. That's in um, the OC that's coming up. Used to be Idiot Fest, I D T O. (laughs) It was like a comics comedy thing. I'll be there for Top Cow. Oh, okay. Um, that's the last show I'm doing for the year.
1: Conventions I didn't even know about. I feel like there's no such thing as Con season anymore. It's like every month I have something to do, and I'm so just bombarded with things on the weekends. Now I'm like, isn't there supposed to be a season? I feel like. Comic conventions are the basketball of. It's like
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's like a it's like a a county fair now.
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: You know, Uh you can drink at them now.
1: I know. For twelve dollars, you can get yourself an IPA. (laughs) Or or drink at
5: the L.A. County Fair now. Oh,
3: really? I I've never been. (laughs) I've always always drank at the Arizona fairs.
1: Yeah. Oh no, there's always been um, alcohol fairs I've been to. Yeah. 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 But he's saying that now you can drink at conventions, that comic convention. It's just like,
3: stuff. you know, it's weird anyway. But <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited and thank you so much for having us. It was such an honor to be here and talk about this project and, and have us and include us in your cool podcast.
1: Absolutely. Well, and you are our inaugural guests for our new segment. Because of you, we have come up with this new, uh, that is Las cool. Platicas. I oh, like yes. that. Yeah.
3: Yes. I like it. And where can we find you?
1: Oh well. Well, you have Thank a lot you of for hours. Yeah. You, <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Comadesi
5: Comics. or Twitter at Comic Comadres.
0: Uh, we also have a Snapchat, um, ComadresyComics, and um, Facebook. And Facebook, and also you can listen to us for free on Instagram. No, sorry. I, <laughs> <laughs> I always do that. Um, no, you can listen to us for free on iTunes, Podomatic, and Stitcher and now also on spotify and spotify mm-hmm. oh
3: cool yes yeah, yeah.
0: um which you know because you're listening to us now
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's always nice to ask where we can you know there's a lot of places to find you so yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you again. Uh, I am so excited for this project. I'm actually so excited to. I know uh, creators kind of um, don't like the when's the next thing coming out, and they're like, "Lady, it took me three years to get this." <laughs> 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 but I am excited for the rest. So, right. Um, thank you again, Gonzo, for being our um, guest to a far away, and hopefully we'll be able to meet you soon in Modesto.
4: Well, it's not soon, oh, for sure. but
1: yeah, for sure. <laughs>
4: Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so
0: much. And that brings us to the end of this episode, Las Platicas. Uh, we have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Thanks, guys. Bye.
5: Bye. Bye. Bye.